Hello everyone, welcome back to the left page. Yay, we're here finally again. Uh, uh, I'm Frank. I'm I, Bruno. I'm your historian. Editor. Historian editor. Uh, yes, yeah, someone's got to do it, so yeah. why not? <laughs> and I'm Bruno, I'm the literature guy that doesn't edit the, the things because he doesn't know how to to work with technology. <laughs> but we are here... Uh, actually, we already have our first anniversary officially, no? Uh, well, it's still... Well, by the time this goes out, probably not yet. Okay. <laughs> Although our anniversary episode has already gone out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's close to a year. And yeah, but it's been a full circle because today we're going to talk about someone that we already made an... Um, uh, one of our favorite episodes. Our second episode as well. Yeah, exactly. Our second episode. So today we're going to talk about Machado de Assis, which is maybe for the majority of people that um, know anything about Brazilian literature, know who he is. <laughs> yeah. It's basically like that. Yeah, so I don't know if you want to say anything, yeah. any, any other regards before we really started. Yeah, no, I think... I think it's. Um, I think we're sort of going like in a full circle. Yeah. Because once again we spoke about dystopia technology. Yeah. And once again we're talking about Machado, <laughs> which is quite convenient. Yeah. But it, it, it's good. Yeah. I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you go through him first, and then we'll we'll get to the short story we're talking about today. Okay. So can you let me do? Oh, of course. Yeah. So uh, Machado uh, was born in 1839, and he died in 1908. He was born in basically it wasn't like the same look, but it's uh he was basically born in a favela in Rio de Janeiro, and he has some remarkable and like genius kind of uh life stories. I mean he he just studied in the in the uh, public schools and whatnot. It it, it was uh, at that time it wasn't great or it wasn't bad it was just like normal school mm -hmm. but uh, before his 20s he already knew latin french english and i think a bit of german oh wow and yeah <laughs> and that's really like uh yeah it's it's bizarre but here i chose this short story because it talks so much about uh the relation with fame, the relation with being an artist and what it means to be an artist mm -hmm. and, and all of those aspects. And even the main character reflects really much what Machado thought of himself as a mm -hmm. uh, as a uh, an artist and as a, a person that uh, wrote and like short stories, uh, novels and everything. So in this case, uh, I don't know if I want to say anything else. Yeah, the the if I start, I would just do a, a little preview that mm -hmm. uh, the main character in this short story, he has a big uh, dilemma in his life of trying to be, uh, aspiring to be someone that is regarded as a uh, producer of high art, but he has the talent to make and almost like regurgitate automatically what is considered to be lower art and that's his whole uh th that's the the main character problem as well as it was machado's uh, kind of problem and question in his life because mm -hmm. i mean today we look at him as one of the the greats one of the A greatest of all time but at, at his time he was looking at himself like oh i'm i'm considered to be a writer but I'm here publishing short stories in the newspaper of Rio de Janeiro in Brazil, whereas <laughs> Shakespeare is Shakespeare. Yeah. So <laughs> he has this, uh, he has almost like sort of the same relation that the the main character of this short story has. Yeah, it's sort of a way to like cope with those feelings exactly. by presenting them outwards. Exactly. And to mention a bit about him and his time, like. Machado is mainly thought out as this writer. He wrote numerous short stories and a couple of longer novels, again published chapter by chapter in the newspapers. Yeah. As as a writer of like the second 
in Portuguese, like the sec second kingdom, like the second rule of the empire. Because if, if you don't know, <laughs> Brazil, apart from being a colony, a Portuguese colony for a long time, was also its own empire <laughs> with Portuguese rulers. Uh, but it was independent. It's it's a whole thing. <laughs> and this um, this time, which spans from... I forget the exact date or the exact year when, like, the Second Empire was sort of a thing, because we had, like, Peter the First and yeah. then Peter the Second. Yeah. And Peter the Second reigned for, like, 40 to 50 years or something like that. And it was a tumultuous time, but also a time of certain stability and whatnot. So it's an interesting time, and yeah. Machado is very much inserted in that time. Like, the Republic was proclaimed in 1889, uh, one year after the law that abolished slavery in yeah. 1888. And uh, that, that, that's another whole story, because, yeah. again, as we uh, sort to think out, like, these laws and the things that matter, but there, there was, like, real material conflict. Yeah. So, you know, always good to reinforce that, especially thinking, like, Black History Month. So, again, exactly. conveniently, we're talking about a, an amazing, legendary black writer in Black History Month. Yeah. So, you know, good things. Yeah. And he, in, in these numerous short stories, he sort of, they're almost like, like chronicles in, a, in various ways, like presenting aspects of day-to-day -day life exactly. and general politics. Yeah. There are many things which are sort of subtly there and inserted quite gently in these various in these various manners really uh, when we talk about these various stories and we're going to get into that as well but it, it is almost like sort of a testimony of its time yeah while exploring certain dimensions and distinctions between these various people and figures and in this case of art and what is considered good art or high art yeah or art worth remembering and thinking about talent and all that, and we'll we'll get into that. Yeah. But it, it's Machado has always this historical aspect to it. It's very much like firmly in the time that he's speaking of, but he uses that to talk about things that like clearly go out of time and yeah. space. Yeah, exactly. Like one of the things I was thinking about as Bruno was talking is that maybe this year, we'll see, we might talk about the posthumous memories yeah. of Grascubus, yeah, the... which is seriously an incredible fucking novel. Yeah. It is it's incredible. It's amazing, yeah. And we, if we get it onto it later in the year, we, we're going to have a, a blast. Yeah. But it's just, he really does capture like figures of the elite and figures... <laughs> And their manners and like yeah, it, it's, it's brilliant. It, it's brilliant because it's it's in the like the small details that he talks about, like as you were saying, like universal principles of life and mm -hmm. aristocracy and all of those things. It's, it's it's genius. And in this case, art. Yeah. So, uh, anything else, or mm. shall we get to it? Perfect. So the short story we're going to talk about is in the original Portuguese is like a sort of a famous man. Yeah. Although the the title that we found from a translation, I believe it's by Michael Wood. The name I found it's a particularly good version, yeah. which is like selected uh short the collected short stories of Machado de Assis. Yeah. And it it's is very very good. Yeah. No, it's translated by Margaret Ju Costa and Robin Patterson, and the foreword by Michael Wood. I will also make it available via a link in the show notes. I'll have the short story separated so you can read that English translation, which I think is quite interesting yeah. from a couple of things we noticed. Yeah. Uh, it's a very difficult translation, as you'll really, see. Really yeah. But it, it's called Fame. Yeah. And it talks about this man called Pestana. He is he composes polkas yeah. uh, of those times. Again, the, there will be a, a polka too sort of leave us off as the outro so wait for that what what, what that will be yeah <laughs> uh, but it really it's sort of this popular form of music it's yeah. it's got popular kind of like a dancey music like exactly a, a music to it's the like the the pop of of that yeah. time basically it's famous again in high and low circles it, it, it sort of goes through these boundaries but it's very like this sort of uh, inverted commas mass consumption yeah. and sort of this large 
uh, industry, it's like the polka, and it, it's the thing to dance, the thing that people whistle around when exactly. they're walking, and it's like everywhere, and it's ephemeral. Like you go one, and the next week there's the the new major polka. <laughs> uh, weird to talk about the polka like that, but it, it's a thing. Yeah. But this composer Pestana, he is profoundly dissatisfied and frustrated with that. He wants to compose high art. He wants to compose a requiem, a nocturne, something the likes of Chopin, of Mozart, of Beethoven, yeah, of Schubert, of all these classical yeah, musicians. He... He mentions how he wants a single page of eternity, <laughs> but he can't for the life of him. <laughs> and yet he composes focus like that. Yeah, exactly. It it's just comes to him and he does it. Yeah. It's impressive. And then he like he's, tries to find different ways to overcome this difficulty, <laughs> but he can't. He can't. Yeah. And... He he goes through like no I'm fine I'll accept the polka long live the polka but he doesn't really yeah, and, and a, a day after he's like oh to hell of the polkas fuck it I don't I can't do this anymore he even goes to the extent of marrying himself because oh I can't produce sort of, of things like Mozart's and and things like that because uh, he says of uh, uh, celibacy celibacy exactly so he even goes to, ex to the extent of marrying himself just because he wants to produce just a single line of one of those uh, immortal pages but he can't yeah and so he he goes through his life and tries and tries and tries and yet he he composes only polkas yeah and at the end, he 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 passes away, and will leave his parting lines for later, yeah. or the parting lines from the short story for later. But ultimately, he can't. And even though like others like celebrate him, and he is famous, yeah. that fame is like it doesn't matter to him. He hates that fame. Exactly. So that's the short story we're gonna talk about. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, shall we begin by just. Talk, taking a general talk about fame and its whole extent, like yeah, for sure. Like it's especially like thinking in the terms we see in the short story. We see a, a man who composes these po these polkas, and they reach a large success. Like people are listening to it all the time. the The actual beginning of the short story is it starts as like this sort of party a high class party and whatever yeah. and he was like playing something on the piano and then like uh, a woman goes on to ask him like oh are, are you that composer Pestana yeah. could you play that particular song I'll, I'll get the name of it because they're very bizarre in Portuguese and we'll <laughs> get to that later but the the name of the the one that he that she asks is can you play that polk of yours? Keep your hands to yourself, mister? <laughs> and, like, he grimaces and, like, acts with displeasure and disgust. He's like, Ugh, Okay. Fine. <laughs> fine. And, like, he goes and plays, but he's like, Why do I need to do this? Why do I keep doing this? And, yeah. and it, it, it's really, like, he... He has this fame, but it, it is absolutely meaningless to him. Yeah. He wants, like, this sort of others... He doesn't... At the end of the day, this fame doesn't matter to him. He seeks this more immortal fame. Like, exactly. he sees, uh, in a way, through the looking glass of, like... He sees how ephemeral and how these things won't last. These focus will fade away. Yeah. It, that, that, that seems to be clear to him. And he seeks in these... In these this page that would last eternally to make himself like known to create this beautiful pure work and well he doesn't <laughs> <laughs> but he he wants to and he feels this longing and, and we'll, we'll get to the relationship between those those two mediums in a bit but just to talk about this fame like he doesn't want uh, the sort of this popular fame this yeah. Uh, the the fifteen minutes of fame. Exactly. He wants like to join the halls of history. Exactly. He wants this eternity. He wants to become. Yeah, he's seeking immortality. Yeah. The immortality of of the heroes, of their deeds and their stories, uh, and in this case of its music. Yeah. 
and he can't for the life of him do yeah, it. And it's almost like uh, I don't know. I just forgot the the word in English like maldição. Curse. Uh, it's almost like a curse. The the type of music that he's able to produce into because. It's the music that every, as we were saying, is the music that people whistle in the streets. So when he's like pissed off with his own music, he is just going to his house and people are whistling the the music in his ears like on the streets. It's like the world and the general aspect of polka being such a catchy type of music and everyone... Uh, whistling and, and chanting and, and playing it on bars and parties. And it's just like, at the moment that he reaches this sort of moment where he, oh, fuck, I, I hate those pokas and I will never compose on polka again, the whole world is remembering him that he composed the polka and that he's a composer of polkas and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he's constantly trying to erase this image of his of the the polka composer exactly. for this uh, classical music composer exactly. but he he constantly is faced against it like he doesn't stop really composing polkas until much later in his life yeah and we can we should talk about that that is deep economical relations exactly. or consequences for him yeah like the polkas are like He's, uh, he's the breadwinner. Exactly. Yeah. That's what may give him any condition like to live. Yeah. To have a slave even. <laughs> that, that, that's something like, it's a footnote in, in relatively, but it's still there. Yeah. And, and yet he's, he, he constantly damns his own polkas, but he never really ceases to compose them. Yeah. It's like, he hates that, but it's sort of bigger than him. Yeah. It's an impulse that is stronger than his own will to compose these. Like yeah. he, he goes, it says that he constantly like stays up late at night to try and compose something that's worth composing. Yeah. Uh, in front of like these pictures of Mozart, of yeah. Hubert, of Chopin, like yeah. as Bruno was saying, like these saints. Yeah, exactly. But he can't. And then he goes to bed like four in the morning. And wakes up at seven. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I got it, a polka. And he goes and composes the polka <laughs> and hands it to his editor. Yeah. And it, yeah, the, the, the whole, like, it's a sort of like the most extreme case of like uh, double, like not double uh, persona, but like this sort of uh, not really knowing what you want to do with your life and i mean this short story is uh, at least for me it, it's really really touches on the burn like it, it's for me I, I was talking to frank i'm a person that and for the the reason being that i study literature mm -hmm. there are times of my life where i'm reading everyday bunch of like tons of pages and talking about literature every day, talking about literature with my mom, with Frank, with anyone, with my <laughs> girlfriend. And then there's actually like weeks and months where I don't even touch a book. Mm -hmm. And it, it, thinking about it, it's even, even funnier because I was thinking that uh, nowadays my bedroom is basically a bed, a table, in books <laughs> and so every time that I'm not reading and I look up to my shelves and I see this legion of books I'm like holy shit man I don't read a fucking book in like two weeks and what the fuck I'm doing like uh, uh, am I a lie am I looking uh, 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 am I uh, striving to be uh, and that's the the whole point of the short story like should you strive to be one of the greats are people born to be great? Do people become great? Do people decide to become great? Like, mm -hmm. it's this whole aspect. And, and we were talking earlier as well, like, uh, how most of the times we think, oh, no, but my personality, I was not born to be one of the greats because, the like, I don't know, Mozart, he was already composing when he was, like, nine and <laughs> things like that. <laughs> so, yeah, it's... But at the same time, I mean, personality is nothing but 
the things that you choose to be influenced by. Yeah. So it, it's, it kind of creates this almost black hole of uh, should I become this or this? Can I become great? Yes, you can, but will I? Uh, should I? Is it possible? Yeah. <laughs> and that brings us like to the sort of one of the big points. Like that is a power structure. What is a great and what isn't is not defined exactly. by like popular will or anything of the sort. Not normally or not regularly through like history, yeah. really. It's power. Yeah. <laughs> As we're talking, like these are uh, sort of like why this is high music, why this is classical even, because this was sort of like elite music. Exactly. This was the songs and music played and enjoyed by the aristocracy. Exactly. Like to give a prime example, like you take the waltz. What is the waltz if not the purest thing there's like the most aristocratic type of song like blue danube like what that is like oh it's the rich aristocracy like just it's that whole thing yeah and and many times like what what who decides what is great and what isn't like it's a few yeah it's rarely like this sort of general people Like, yeah. that can happen, and I'm sure that has happened, but it, it, it's generally, like, a power structure, and it's a way of control. Like, we think, for example, in the case of literature, what is a classic or not, we think, like, these, these academies of letters. Yeah. And what is sort of validated by them, or what isn't. And nowadays, like, with the internet and all that, the, the outcry against these sort of institutions is a lot more common. Yeah. And the opposition to, like, because these usually especially in brazil at least these are like things like sort of frozen in time yeah and uh, very sort of conservative in their styles and the people that they allow in yeah and uh, these events are, are, are like things things that don't necessarily embrace sort of like the new or these transformations or, or what is popular or don't value this like it's the whole discussion of like oh is popular art or like popular um Uh, entertainment art, entertainment literature, entertainment media, whatever, worth studying, worth considering. And like, yeah, it fucking is. <laughs> exactly. And that's still important, that's still relevant, that's still art ultimately. Yeah, and, and the, the whole point, I think, is that it isn't studied because people think that they will be spending their time for nothing mm -hmm. because in the end, it is still the people with power that will almost like decide by what they cons what it is that they consume that what is good yeah so basically it's a it's a cycle of oh i will not study this because people don't care about this because the rich and powerful people don't value this yeah so <laughs> it's it, and we have like billions of examples like the the whole story like it, it it's it's so fucking evident like For example, science fiction mm -hmm. is a whole gigantical field of literature that it, it isn't studied and it isn't taken seriously because even when it's studied, the people in the academy that uh, don't study it look at it like, man, but you're doing child's work. Yeah, like it's the same thing and it's, with horror. Exactly. And it's and oh, uh, not coincidentally, horror and science fiction are the most propense types of genres to talk about power, to talk about uh, dystopia, to talk about what the world has become, what what are the problems of society. and But yeah, we will not analyze this because it isn't important and it isn't good or high art. Yeah, so, so value your science fiction academia and your gothic and horror studies <laughs> exactly. academia. Exactly. These people matter because, like, when you look at these things, you're, you're, you're trying to go beyond that, which is, like, the, the common, which is, like, what the dictated that is the good, the best, or whatever. And it's almost like, and again, inverted commas, because it, it isn't a lot of times this, this what, what is the most like the transgressive yeah. in many cases. Yeah. And okay, we're talking about polkas, but it's still, it's this popular sort of consumption that is ultimately like, no, this doesn't matter. This is popular. This is low class. This, yeah. this isn't 
good art. This is music to just like listen on the radio and mm -hmm. not think about it and just like relax and just let it pass through your ears and that's it. Yeah. And, and like at times you don't uh, understand and value it like even as, as music in itself. Like what makes the polka good? Yeah. What makes it popular even? Like I think a figure that, well, for many reasons, that strikes me very personally about this is Frank Zappa. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah, there's a poster of him in the wall. <laughs> uh, because he is... He is this figure who like strives to. He did go into like musical theory, and he's very much like a, a very ample composer. Yeah. But he wanted to understand like these various things, and not simply like stay like, oh, this is this isn't good, or this no. But like, why is this working? Why is this popular? Why is this isn't? Yeah. And someone who genuinely like thinks about music and production and quality, yeah. regardless of what it is, like he created wacky shit. <laughs> But shit in the sense that it's crazy and bananas. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Yeah. But that is just like sort of doesn't really fit anywhere. Yeah. And it is incredible. Like, <laughs> Joe's Garage is like an amazing album. I constantly re-listen to it. <laughs> and it's like it's this whole story and it talks so much about like consumption and media. And it's just... It's, it's weird and fun and interesting <laughs> and there's like this level of quality even in some bizarre <laughs> sort of like a gross things and sort of explicit <laughs> it, it is really weird uh, I guess sort of passionate talking about Zappa yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, it really like puts this question like good art and bad art are like at the end of the day they like draw the line like yeah they're like class positions yeah exactly really. yeah like what the ruling class dictates is good art is good art. What it dictates is popular or bad art, it's bad art. Like, these things are not values in themselves. Like, they don't consider, like, talent. They don't consider quality. They consider these power structures. Like, we think of, like, a very popular... And I, I say popular in the sense, like, these popular figures who wrote amazing things. And we think about the, these high authors of like aristocracy and the elite and the impact they have and like sometimes disconsider these these popular writers and things like that it's very much <sighs> <laughs> it's a sense where these things aren't they don't exist in themselves yeah good and bad art i, I like and not to say that there isn't like bad art or there isn't good art. Those things are real and concrete. Like there are differences of, of quality, of dedication, of technique, and all that. Exactly. But the way these are generally generally structured in our society, they are not considering any of that really. They yeah. are generally positions of power, and in a sense, like Pestana is not inserted in this way of like uh, this power structure like the polka is not valued as like oh this high form of art no uh, only the classics only the saints are exactly and in this sense like he he will not join the the hall of the great ones the hall of the immortals yeah as we were talking earlier as well like this pasito has two billion views on youtube and it will be forgotten like it will not be heard every day in like two years Mm -hmm. And that's uh, like in, in in today time. It's it, the the way that we have a relationship with media and YouTube in general. It's really bizarre because I mean, to billion views is it's ridiculous. It's insane. <laughs> but it's the the soul. It's like the the evident proof that things haven't changed because there's two billion views. And it will be forgotten, while Mozart and Beethoven will always be the high, like, oh, it, it, like, it won't change, like, orchestras and all this sort of high-class things will always uh, cope and uh, go to these classical figures that get even more immortal as time goes by. Yeah, in this capitalist system, these things aren't really changing and exactly. don't seem like they're gonna change exactly it's like it's a inherent like elitism in this regard because like and we see that with pistana he's constantly dissatisfied with the work he's making like 
he does it in a huge amount the, yeah. the way we're led to believe and like why isn't he satisfied with what he does why shouldn't he be satisfied with, like i can compose these things like that yeah and yet i i can't compose these other things and because i can't compose them i will never be as good yeah but shouldn't he value the other things that he can produce <laughs> exactly and the answer is clear in a sense that we look at this general system as like, well, at the end of the day, he can't because the whole world around him, like these, this high class, like he, it's very clear to him that like, no, none of this is going to matter. Like if I can do this specific thing, this type of nocturne, requiem or whatever, then all the polkas won't matter. Yeah. And it's, Along with the way that there is sort of like a general like large and mass consumption and that these things are at the end of the day ephemeral, this the polkas and the way that they existed in history and this short story and in this environment in Brazil, yeah. they they're not valued in any real way. They are still put as this sort of low art, this bad art, this sort of thing. Oh, we listen to dance too, but it's not something you can appreciate. Exactly. And like why not? Yeah. Why not? And that is something that, like, maybe the short story doesn't really, considering the time, considering Machado, and considering I even read a couple of analyses of the short story and found that, like, they didn't bring this up. But, like, why shouldn't we value, like, this particular form of art? Why shouldn't exactly. we value the polka in this uh, time? I think I think this, this whole subject uh, reflects a lot of, like, the same relation that we have, like, things are still in the same way, like, as we think about any kinds of products that are from Europe or mm -hmm. the United States compared to for example Brazilian products mm -hmm. and that's the whole extent of it like Pestana is kind of uh, tormented because he's a Brazilian producing Brazilian kind, yeah. of, kind of art and he wants to strive and to be great by trying to copy European art. Yes. And that yes. says a lot. <laughs> because that's the whole point of it. Like, uh, uh, I, I mean, I think every person in the world that lives in a, in a country that has been colonized have already had this kind of thought in their minds when they were, uh, they were younger. Like, oh, so we are not the best place in the world, so we will never be able to produce the best things in the world. As where someone that lives in, I don't know, Europe, United States, is like, we are born where the, like the center of the world is almost yeah. like... Imperialism, anyone? <laughs> exactly. Like, I hadn't thought about that, but that makes perfect sense. Yeah, because... Like, all these saints are Europeans. Exactly. Because they are the real composers. Like, yeah, we, we have, like, Brazilian classical composers. We have uh, Hector Villalobos. Yeah, exactly. And, and others as well, yeah. although they escape. But then again... Yeah. Of course. Yeah. But again, like, the whole of the Immortals is that whole that is European. Exactly. It, it's that. Yeah. And, like, because they are the center of the world. Yeah, and until this day, like, I mean, with any product, it's like for technology, sports, anything like giving an example of myself, like if I, I'm going to buy something, I'm going, oh, but uh, this is like uh, a brand from the United States and it costs more, but it should be better quality than the things that are produced in Brazil. And it's actually a, like, I don't know if it's correct to say that it's a double whammy, like, <laughs> because actually it is the the things that come from the United States and Europe are better because they have more uh, more money and more technology to produce it. So it it kind of goes in this cycle of oh I won't buy things that are national because they are worse and so and and they are it is not worth investing your money so you don't invest and so the the brand doesn't get the money to be, become. A better brand and it, it just goes on this imperialistic cycle of mm -hmm. like infinite consumption of oh so these things are better and uh, if I'm going to spend the money it's better to spend the money on the things that we know that are better but maybe it isn't even better maybe it doesn't even make a difference 
Yeah. <laughs> like, we are just sort of programmed to basically think like that, oh, this has a lot of tradition, lots of years, and is a really famous brand, so I will give my money to it because I know it's, uh, like, I can trust on it, but it doesn't even make sense. Like, it, <laughs> you can't trust it. How could you? And exactly. Yet, like... It's this imperial logic, like, replicating, continuating itself even, like, in a very incisive and very insidious way. Exactly. Because, like, you barely even notice it, but then it, it's still there because it still reports to, like, the US, to Europe. It's still, like, they are still the center of the world, and especially in Brazil, that's something that comes up again and again exactly. and again and at this time and later and the whole 20th century and, and today, today <laughs> that we're like that we are inferior exactly <laughs> like to think in sort of terms of like post-colonial theory like we haven't overcome our trauma of being colonized exactly like that something that as i've been reading as i read fanon last year and as i try to read some more of that or i need to find time for that i constantly refer to the fact that like we need to deal with the fact that we were colonized. Exactly. Because, like, that is sort of a, such a mark upon our history and our yeah. culture that, like... It's defining. We, yeah, we don't really handle it. Yeah. And it, it's something that, like, sort of needs to be worked out and sort yeah. of be uh, exercised, really. Exactly. I think we don't talk about it and we don't try to exercise to, like, try to uh, jump out of it. Yeah. Jump out of the situation because it's... I was reading a, a, a magazine on philosophy the other day, and it, it posed like the the magazine was not even that good, but the question that was in the in this kind of article was really good. Like, what's the difficulty? What is why why is so hard to produce genuine Brazilian philosophy? Mm -hmm. And that's the whole point. Like, uh, the the greats in music, the canon in literature. The it's always like oh uh, I say that and I I base myself on this Brazilian uh, literature theorist like anything like that and then someone will come and say yeah but why didn't you use like Auerbach or why didn't you use I don't know for philosophy why didn't you use Kant and mm -hmm. things like that and while all of these things have the greatest value we as a gigantic uh, country should be able to just like oh we, we don't need those we don't need those those thoughts we don't need those those positions we can think by ourselves now yeah we don't need to report to these authorities exactly like it, it's the whole point like because it's been so long since we've been technically independent as sort of a nation, yeah. Uh, again, inverted commas. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's a matter that like we sort of forget, but like that is that has been there like uh the past like two hundred years. Well, it hasn't been two hundred years, has it? No, it hasn't. <laughs> yeah. Since the past a hundred and something years. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's a thing that has been there, and that we need to work out. We need to work out like. What is, what are the effects of this colonization? We need to go into imperialism. Yeah. And imperialism is something that had its ways and left powerful marks and impacts that are lasting today. And is creating new forms of oppression and subjugation that are new and that are still working, co-opting us under its shadow, really. Yeah, exactly. And we need to work through it. Yeah. It's not something that's going to go away and in any way. And that's exactly the, the case of Pestana, which he, at the end of the short story, he just decides that he won't compose polkas anymore and he won't, and he hasn't that much of students anymore. He basically doesn't earn that much money and he sells his house to be able to pay his debts and everything. And so that's basically, uh, sh even if it's fictional, it's a really palpable and very like, it's really a metaphor for how, not a metaphor, but an example of how many times people uh, that, for example, in Brazil, strive to do something that is 
it, it isn't their will. Mm-hmm. It's basically just, oh, I just need to become respected and I need to do uh, those kinds of things to become a, a, a real, like, uh, a figure, like uh, this sort of uh, image of fame and actual respectability. Mm-hmm. And people go to the worst extents of it. Uh, I even have a friend, uh, a close friend that wants to become an actor. And uh, even though he wants to uh, work on these like indie groups and just act, mm-hmm. at the same time, he needs to strive to work on Globo, which <laughs> is like the sort of it's the the most watched most famous most uh, powerful most powerful uh tv channel and tv organization here in brazil and it's it's this sort of same thing like he needs to strive to this uh to this point that he doesn't even like and doesn't even want but at the end of the day in this power structures how will he be able to live a normal life being an actor if he doesn't uh, go under the uh, <laughs> the bat wings of global like yeah, uh, if he doesn't uh, sell his soul to exactly it. exactly and that's the whole problem like it, it, it keeps going on and on and even like uh, and that's again the whole point like even in my in university here in Brazil like I we study on the it's like seen as the best, one of the best universities in the whole Latin America and everything. And the first year of of studies in literature has 75% or 80% of literature about Greece, Europe, <laughs> England, France. And we have sort of sprinkles of Brazilian literature and we're in Brazil like what's the whole point of it like it just keeps on going and it's just uh, too heavy of a rock to push away and try to to deal with it like yeah I think especially talking about that I think it's something that again is in the short story as well which is the matter of like through all these various wars and these various things like uh, Pestana wants to be like a Mozart. He doesn't want to be a Brazilian. He wants to be an Austrian. Exactly. Mostly. <laughs> and, well, point being <laughs> that he can't be an Austrian. He will never be an Austrian. And worse yet, really, uh, he can't be as original as Mozart or as an Austrian. Oh, and another thing, they weren't as original either. Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly. like the whole thing about media and culture in our lives is that whole like sort of adage that's like there's nothing new under the sun exactly and at the, at the end of the day that really isn't yeah. but we still find interesting ways of thinking about things of writing about things of exactly. writing music and writing our feelings and writing ideas and that is still like there's nothing new under the sun but that's that's fine yeah that's okay yeah. And he struggles with that. There's a particular scene where he is composed, where he's sort of, after he's married and all that, he's trying to compose like a nocturnes to present to his wife. And he's keeping it a secret so he can sort of present it. And when he's sort of confident that he, to do so, he does it. And she's like, hold on, keep playing. Uh, that's Chopin, isn't it? <laughs> and then she goes and plays and he like storms out and runs away. He's like, oh, fucking hell, I guess I'll give myself into the polka again. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. and like we're not really original and that's okay yeah <laughs> like it's a that, difficult that, thing that's, to that's work out whole, exactly that's the whole point like we're all in the same place because in, if you're Austrian if you're French if you're Brazilian no one will reinvent the wheel yeah that's basically it <laughs> so just like accept your like your situation, your geographical place, your like, as you said in inverted commas, uh, your tradition, like yeah. your your family, and just do what's possible to do, just do what you want to do, and not exactly. try to become someone that lives in the other side of the planet. Yeah, because uh, again, the what is original, like these things don't exist outside of history. Exactly. Like 
of course there's a matter of individual talent and individual discovery and creation like you can't simply like absorb an individual into history otherwise like there would be no individuality to to Mozart to Beethoven to Bruno to Marx to Frank like <laughs> the, these things yeah. are real yeah but all of these people exist inside of history exactly even if they're isolated they're still part of the human experience exactly. they're still part of history and we feed on influences and things that we don't even really realize it all the time. Yeah. And like that, especially that scene where he's like, okay, I'm creating this. And like, and she says, oh, it's Chopin, isn't it? And he's like, oh, storms out. <laughs> that, that again, it's that process. Yeah. It's that process of like sort of absorbing and creating. And like, again, we don't hear it. So we don't know if that was exactly Chopin or if it was similar or sounded like it, but like, it's part of this process of like creation that is connected to these classics, yeah. but that he feels isn't original enough. When this sort of pure originality, this pure newness, isn't real. It yeah. doesn't exist because these things are connected. And sometimes in ways like we don't expect. Like even apparent connections aren't that real. Like to give an example that uh, I know at least. Kant is... He makes criticism to Hume's theories and ideas, and he's interpreted as like Kant, a reader of Hume and whatnot. But like few philosophers or people who work in philosophy, and that's uh, again an experience from a, a teacher of mine who actually studies philosophy. Uh, she means like, but did anyone really ask the question? Like, did Kant really read Hume? <laughs> and like, he didn't. He didn't read. He didn't read English, so <laughs> he didn't like. A friend of his or a colleague of his like sort of shared some notes or presented some stuff from Hume to him, but he never really did read it like firsthand. Yeah. So like even apparent influences aren't that obvious. Exactly. Because these things are conditioned by material circumstances, by material realities and history. Exactly. So in the same way that what seems like a connection isn't real, a lot of things that may not seem like connections are real. Yeah. Like to give a sort of an obvious and ultimately silly example, like we're making a podcast that is apparently original in the sense that we're see at least the point when it began <laughs> and it still is to occupy a niche that hasn't wasn't really filled in a large way or yeah. more, sort of like more obvious or more evident, yeah. which is to work out literature from a historical, political, and leftist perspective. Yeah, even if there are literature podcasts. There are those that work out in, with this particular angle. Yeah. So that's what we want to do. But we are deeply influenced by other podcasts that do similar things, like Revlet, for example, like the Magnificast, Horror Vanguard, like some of these things, like thinking about vignettes we did in the last episode. Like I directly took those things, like from Horror Vanguard's way of doing it. A way of of the way that I've sort of been making us like sort of introduce ourselves more, yeah. take it from other podcasts as well. Yeah, it's something that there is no pure originality, and exactly. that's okay. Exactly, that's that the is whole okay. Point. <laughs> like in our own individual experiences and lives, we find ways of working these things out and creating things which are original, yeah. but are inserted in history and work themselves out in that way. Yeah, and that is like that is creation. <laughs> that is artistical. And political creation as well, like, exactly. to get into politics, like, we live in a particular time, like, we live after the Russian Revolution, after the Chinese Revolution, the Cuban Revolution, and we live after, like, the 90s, and this turned to neoliberalism, yeah. and it's sort of victory for now. So we need to work out different experiences, like, it is, imp like, I'm a historian, so obviously... <laughs> I obviously believe it's important to work and study upon these experiences, but I also need to recognize the importance and necessity to like, okay, these things are important to tell us something, but we need to work out new and different ways to struggle in the 21st century, in the 2020s. Yeah. Like these experiences are all valuable and they all teach us different things about different aspects and that can help us think about things going forward. But that is not sufficient to answer like, oh, that explains everything or that tells us everything. Exactly. Something that I've spoken about before with Brett, actually, from RevLeft, is that, and he was mentioning it recently on an episode of American Exceptionalism and American Innocence, which is something that bothers me constantly. <laughs> uh, uh, 
ended some amazing episode, not finished yet. I'm very late with Rev Left. I'm sort of confessing it now, but I'm catching up. It was a rough year, <laughs> but now it's it's good to be back. And he's mentioning how like a sort of a stagist conception of history, which is present in certain views either in Marx or in Lenin, or and that was sort of divulged later through the 20th century by the Soviet Union in Moscow. These things aren't historical. Like, there is no raw conception of, like, oh, you go from this slavery mode of production into the feudalist mode of production, and then you get into the capitalist mode of production, and that is the only way to get into the socialist and then the communist. Yeah. Like, no, these are not historical experiences. Exactly. There were experiences that worked in that trend. Like, yeah, Central Europe worked like that. It worked from... This ancient slavery mode into feudalism, into capitalism, and there were attempts into socialism. But, because the problem is that that was sort of, again, inverted commas, <laughs> exported and sort of presented as like the way f to do revolution in Brazil or in Latin America throughout the 20th century. Exactly. And that's like, that's not a historical experience. <laughs> that is sort of applying this theory and this idea that like, no, that is how things behave. Because this is how things behave, and this is how we are going to make them do. So, sort of, united front perspectives and uh, strategies were made in order to cooperate and do a bourgeois revolution in order to then create a socialist revolution. Which, well, I, I don't think I need to tell anyone now that that's a bad idea to ally with the bourgeoisie. So, you know, uh, yeah. again, historical mistakes. These, these things are, uh, happen. I'm, I'm not really judging i'm criticizing yeah. them as like yeah that, that was a bad idea yeah, yeah. Uh, and i guess my whole point with all that is that like we need to look at the past and we need to look at history but we need to look at our present and our material circumstances as a political program as an artistic program really yeah uh thinking about like the situation is as well i'm sorry i'm going on a long no friend. no no go on go on <laughs> uh, yeah but to think about the situations like looking at their time and with the history that they had like the models that they wanted to follow but creating something in the now yeah and working in this present and ultimately when we think about the literature and we think about art and we think about politics, we look at this past, we look at these traditions in order to further understand ourselves and what what is our own history. Exactly. To talk about my own experience as well, like learning a lot thanks to the Magnificast, thanks to Faith and Capital, another amazing podcast uh, from Chase Tibbs. I was talking to him the other day. These are works that help us sort of like I'm finding my own history as a Christian communist, as a Catholic communist, <laughs> which is not a simple thing. I don't think I need to tell you that. But it's... I've been finding my own history and my own legacy in this regard. And that is finding me the confidence to sort of like, yeah, no, I am a Catholic and a communist. And the, in that, there is no contradiction. Yeah. Catholic, uh, in Christianity and revolution... Christianism revolution no hay contradicción. That that is the sort of the model of the Sandinistas uh, of for certain group of them. And like that is how I feel, like Christianity, revolution, no contradiction, exactly. really. Yeah. And it's <sighs> to get back to our point, uh when we create art, when we think about art and music and literature and what we create we are embedded in our in a history. We are in, and we're embedded in a present. Yeah. And, and in our knowledge, exactly. In, in general, because just just a, a small point. Like in my experience, uh, for example, playing the guitar, uh, me and Frank Zappa and Stevie Ray Vaughan and Eric Clapton and BB King all use the same scales. Yeah. So, like, and, and it's almost paradoxical because. Uh, improvising is about knowing scales and just going through it. So how is it able to be original in improvisation if it's based on something that everyone uses the same? <laughs> <laughs> like that, that's just a small point that I was thinking about. Like that's exactly it. Like the historical experience and knowing and thinking about the past and now, it, it's a experience not about knowing what 
influenced us, but basically just like finding, uh, looking at the past, find what's good or what we could use or could benefit today. Yeah. It's basically that, like, I, I, I see lots of people, like, studying uh, the whole different types of, and, and that's the, <laughs> the whole, like, not problem, but the, the whole quest of humanity with arts, like, it's always, oh, no, we are different from the last generation because mm -hmm. uh, we are not, like, the, the, the Parnasians or we're not, like, the realists. Or and, boomers. Uh, exactly, boomers and zoomers and everything. But in the end, that's not. We, we don't need to uh, have a contradiction with the past to affirm ourselves. Mm -hmm. We just need to search in the past for things we want to do and yeah. we, we need to do or what we like. Yeah, understand it to both reject it when necessary, understand the mistakes and things that didn't work out so that going forward we can think of like yeah that works and that is something that i want to think about and i think that's useful to yeah. think about tomorrow that on the other hand didn't work that was bad yeah so let's avoid doing that yeah it's the the, the historical study the historical sort of experience and diving into history is that process of like understanding the past or seeking to understand it, because understanding it wholly is impossible. Sadly, impossible. <laughs> uh, but yeah. it is to understand and accept and reject it. It yeah. is at the same time just like no, the, 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 some of these things are good and some of those things are bad, and yeah. that is the part of it. And that's something that we understand in order to work forward. This is the whole point of basically, as we were talking in the episode of of the dispossess, is about marxism and the ever uh infinite critic of things yeah in general. it's the uh ruthless criticism of all that exists exactly and again that goes to ourselves too exactly. but in the same regard that like to understand ourselves it is a a, a, a project of self-knowledge it is a project of understanding it is a project of the forward or of the new so there is there's a lot to it but I think that that is essential, really. And in the, in the way that our, us understanding, embracing and rejecting our history to move forward, it is a process of us seeking our places in the world, of seeking our actions, seeking our struggles, seeking the things that we are capable and want to do and the things that we sometimes can do or shouldn't do, really. Yeah. And to sort of like uh, add this point because it's it's really interesting like the conclusion of the short story and I will read this first paragraph the translation into English because it is quite perfect in the way that it adds it adds this point both about the present and the history and its past and the future even exactly yeah. and oh just before I get into it as well I will I will add the point that <laughs> as I said that this was a sort of a chronicle of history too the the short story mentions like he composes the polkas for like the times so like oh the liberals are wi has won the election for like the congress or whatever like parliament and like oh write a polka about that like the editor is the one giving the titles it's not even the composer <laughs> and on the other hand it's like oh the conservatives have won write a polka about that and like Again, it's something to show, like, the structure of the empire, like, was meaningless. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, the conservatives, the liberals, <laughs> who gives a shit? They'll keep switching power and it won't really matter. Exactly. At all. <laughs> so, he, he, like, he's on sort of with a fever, Pesano is of a fever on sort of his deathbed. And he goes, like, uh, his editor goes to seek him, uh, unaware of his condition. And the editor is, like... Uh, asking him to like, oh, can you write a poke about the conservatives' victory and whatnot? <laughs> and Pestana says, and then there's the conclusion. Look, said Pestana, since it's quite likely that I'll be dead in the next few days, I'll do you two polkas straight away. The other will come in handy for when the liberals are back. <laughs> it's like such raw cynicism of like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're gonna be back soon, so might as well have one ready since I'm gonna die. 
And then the conclusion. It was the only joke he had made in his entire life, <laughs> and it came none too soon, for he died at five minutes past four the following morning, at peace with his fellow man and at war with himself. At the end of the day, he was still dissatisfied and angry that he couldn't write a piece of classical music, but all the others and all around him still celebrated him. He was famous and at peace with everyone else, even if at war and conflict with himself. <laughs> so yeah, that's <laughs> that's a, a one hell of a short story, yeah. and there's a lot more we could talk about. Yeah, but we're getting to the one hour mark. Yeah, and I think I think these are good places to sort of. Leave it on, and who knows? Maybe we'll come back to it. Yeah, I, I mean, um, just one word, Mashad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good way to wrap it up. It, it's it's like the short story is eight pages. Yeah, it, it's so dense in meaning. <laughs> I mean, that's the whole point of Mashado. It, it's it, it as I were, I was talking earlier is about. You read it and you see the nihilism and the cynicism and as well as the humor and everything. It's just like a whole experience to read it and to talk about it after because, I mean, this was one of those episodes that we we sort of always like track what we we're going to talk about and everything. But there are moments, especially with literature, and that's why I study literature, that we just unlock our brains and our experience with things that are written with literature and that's what happened here today yeah we took off yeah took off towards imperialism yeah <laughs> and history in ways that i definitely did not expect yeah but that was super fun and interesting yeah. and valuable i think yeah and yeah maybe we didn't talk about the relationship between how like the editor is the one actually giving the titles and the polkas are sort of like these instruments of consumption and popular and sort of mocking occasions and not like even in, in themselves even though like the guy writes it alone uh yeah. so yeah that's we make choices as well and i think we made good choices yeah yeah exactly uh so yeah you have anything else to add no, no. well that being said yeah uh thank you so much for listening thank you uh it, it's again a blast yeah and this should be out soon after recording and expect a novel next time uh, yeah. a classic and it's i'm excited for that neither of us have read it yet but yeah. once we do uh, we will record it and it's gonna be great yeah there will be no clues this time yeah but it's gonna be fun so. and so yeah uh please if you enjoy our show if you like what you've heard please consider supporting us on patreon we have restructured it a bit and we, we need to record a lot of poetry club. Yeah. Uh, you need to figure uh, those out. Yeah. So separate about four or five poems okay. <laughs> for us to talk about. And we'll record those in bulk, maybe. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Uh, and we need to get those out. Yeah. Uh, but we've, aside from that, there's also like the, I call it the reading corner. Because we read a bunch of stuff that doesn't make it to the pod. Be it for one reason or another. Be it like literature that like, we won't have the time to both read yeah. or that like, oh, maybe we'll work it out at some point later or like it's not really literature. It's like literary theory, philosophy, mm -hmm. history. And so we make, well, we will be making like short texts talking about those. Uh, the first one is out. Uh, I put it at the end of that last month and I should have one out either the day this was recorded. So it should be out already or by the time of this release. So expect another one and I will probably have at least two this month. Uh, talking about different things so that's going to be fun as well yeah and yeah i think that's going to be a good format and a way to create good content for like all patrons this is like a, this is at the one tier one dollar mm -hmm. level so yeah that, that's going to be nice and so that if you could support us we're on patreon at patreon.com forward slash left page and we're also on Twitter at, at LeftPagePod. I am constantly on there talking about different things, sharing other amazing podcasts that you should go out and listen to. Yeah. And we we thank you so much for your support, like on Patreon, on Twitter. Uh, we ask Patreon if you can because it's super helpful. Yeah. And it like keeps the pod running and motivates us a lot. And the sort of equipment, yeah. It keeps All us on things, our toes yeah. as well, making yeah, content. Exactly. And but we still appreciate everyone and anyone sharing it on Twitter exactly. and talking about us. It, it's a blast. Yeah. And so uh, I think that's I think that's that. Yeah. So thank you so much for listening. And to the next one.